0: All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And now, your host for today's program, Dale Throneberry.
1: Welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry, CW2 type helicopter pilot, Vietnam 1969. Welcome to our program we have, this is kind of a really special deal we've got going today because we've got experts, real life experts on home health care and hospice care and palliative care, and all of those different types of things from one particular organization. So uh, if you would like to if you have any questions and you would like to get some advice, you can call us here on Veterans radio. The number is seven three four eight two two sixteen hundred seven three four. My co-host today is, uh, for those of you who have been listening to our benefits programs, (coughs) is retired Air Force General, uh, Brigadier General, Carol Ann She is a nurse, and she also works with Legal Help for Veterans. So, Carol Ann, welcome back to the program.
2: Thank you, Dale. This is a first, and uh, hopefully I I could be a, a good wing person for you today.
1: That's, I'm always looking for wing persons (laughs) to, to help out. Um, so we're, we're going to be talking with people from residential health, um, in just a moment. But first of all, we have to make sure that we thank our sponsors because as you all know, we can't do this program without sponsorship. That's you. I'm pointing at the screen right now. So before we get along too long, I want to, I want to make sure that we thank our loyal sponsors. And number one is Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans specializes in veterans disability claims. You can give them a call at, uh, 800-693-4800, or you can go to their website, legalhelpforveterans.com. Uh, the National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVBDC, is the nation's leading third party authority for certification of veteran-owned businesses. For more information, go to their website, that's nvbdc.org, or give them a call at 888-237-8433. If you want to do business with the federal government and you are a veteran-owned business, you got to get certified, and they're the only ones that can do it. So make sure that you go to nvbdc.org. The Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan, for more information about them, you can go to vagovernor Healthcare. we've also got uh, the people i mentioned earlier we've got residential home health and hospice care for veterans and their families for more information go to residentialhealthcaregroup.com or give them a call this is the number we were just talking about earlier 866-902-5854 they'll answer a the call and direct you where you need to go if you need more information about their organization i'm supposed to mention this i just got a text is you can go to our website, veteransradio.org, and all this information is on today's program, um, listing there. Um, we also want to thank our local veterans organizations for their longtime support. We've been doing this for 20 years and we couldn't have gotten started without these guys. So the Irwin Press Corps and American Legion Post 46 and the Charles S. Kettles Vietnam Veterans of America Chapter 310, both of Ann Arbor, Michigan. So, uh, Thank you all very much for your continued support. We're very grateful for that. And if you are listening to the program today and you want to support us, you can go to our website, that's veteransradio.org, hit the donate button. Have at it? 20 years. So we're asking for 20 bucks for 20 years. That's a pretty good run, I think. And uh, we're pretty excited about that. All right. So let's get into the program right now. And we've got a lot of people on, on our uh, screens. And so we're going to be talking today, uh, starting off, let's start off with uh, Nate Barnett. And Nate is the Regional Director for the Residential Healthcare Group. So, Nate, welcome to Veterans Radio.
3: Thanks, Dale. It's a pleasure here to be with you today.
1: Okay. We, I, I've been throwing out different names here as I, for, for the, the, uh, the name of your company. And so um, what should I go by?
3: Uh, Well, we are Residential Health Care Group, and who we are is a home health, palliative, and hospice care organization that provides care in the home, and the home is wherever you are.
1: Okay, so that's, if if people were looking you up, they're going to go to residentialhealthcaregroup.com, correct?
3: That's right, yep.
1: Okay, so you run, you're the regional direction. How big is, how big is uh, residential health care?
3: Uh, well, here in the state of Michigan, we cover the entire mittens all the way up to the bridge, uh, down to the Ohio border. And then we have other locations in Illinois, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Missouri, Kansas, and Florida.
1: Okay. So people out there listening, they're everywhere. They're everywhere, <laughs> which is great, which is cool. And,
2: and Dale, you know, with the cost of healthcare, this is really significant because People want to remain at home. They want to remain at home with their families. And residential is is a really good um, business. It's a really good service because, Nate, um, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but aren't you also affiliated with um, the VA um, also across the region?
3: Yep. Uh, So here specifically in Michigan, we are contracted uh, with VA Optum, so we are able to work with the VA's payer source. Um, The way we are structured to work with our VA hospitals here in Michigan is that we have transition nurse liaisons assigned to each of the hospitals that work with the Office of Community Care uh, to get veterans um, home if they're discharging or to get them the services that they're needing if they've seen their VA PCP.
2: And and I think that's really important because as we all know, um our our loved ones do truly want to stay at home and get the good care um and the assistance that they need um to remain there as long as possible. So th- this is pretty neat, um Nate. So we're really glad to get you and the whole team of residential um out there and to be uh partnering with Veterans Radio. Yeah, like
3: I said, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here to kind of speak to the audience about uh, what our care looks like and uh, what we do.
1: Well, I wanted to make sure that our audience knew that we're not—you know—this is not strictly for 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 veterans. Uh, Some of the information, much of the information you're going to get here today, applies to civilians as well. I don't mean civilians, but you know, regular regular folk out there. It's just that they have a specialty that that deals with veterans in the veteran community. But if, if you're know if you not a veteran, still need to pay attention because I think you're going to find out there's a lot of good information that they can provide for you. So they, you not only do residential care, you also provide um, palliative care. You, you provide hospice care, correct?
3: Yep, that's right. So we offer the entire continuum of care, which includes home health, palliative care, and hospice care. Um, and it's really a unique offering because we're able to, uh, help people with home health therapy services, get them back on their feet. And with our continuum, we can actually transition people to palliative to hospice care when it's the appropriate time for them. So we got
1: you covered either way. Okay. So um, I want to introduce two other folks. uh, We've got Dustin and, uh, Dustin Dodge and Nick, uh, Caballino. And both of them are involved with more of the, the residential care. Is that is that correct, Nick? I'll go to you first.
4: So I'm the uh the regional director for the hospice branch. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. You're you're uh you're on and I'm a veteran myself. Um and then Dustin Dodge is uh he's with the uh the home care side of it. He's the the nurse specialist with the home care.
1: Okay, I'm gonna oh. go over to Dustin then.
4: Yeah.
1: All right, so you're Dustin. Over. I know you all work together, but
5: yeah, and so I'm the transition nurse liaison, and I work mostly with um, Saginaw and North, but we have a, a liaison for each of the VA hubs. So, and we work real closely with hospice, too, to get the patient to, like, the right level of care, um, because sometimes they don't know when they're coming out of the hospital. We try to help them with that transition.
1: So, so for instance, let's suppose that I, I have been hospitalized for a while for um, a heart problem, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, as I'm getting discharged and they say, okay, we can't do anything more for you here. You need to go home. And does, does the VA handle this or do they direct me toward one of you? I'll go to Dustin to you first.
5: Um Well, it, it depends on the VA. That's why we have a liaison for each one because they, they do things a little bit different. There's little nuances for each, each system there. So um, we get a lot of referrals up North from other facilities. And so I get those, I send in the request for the authorization and get them all set up with the home care or whatever they need. Um, but sometimes we also get the referrals directly from the VA. So I guess it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, and, uh, how it, but we, we take whatever we get and we, we make it work. So we just get them the services that they need for the for VA opt
1: So if, if I get, if I have to go to, uh, need home health care, so I have mm-hmm. to, get, I have to get some sort of authorization from the VA or my doctor.
5: Yeah, from the VA for the VA to pay for. It. So we work directly with the community care liaisons from the VA. Yes.
1: Um,
5: and so they we we submit all the information that they request, and plus along the referral that we get from the hospital or the rehab, and then we tell them what services are needed, why they need home care, and they in turn send us that refer that authorization that allows for us to build VA Optum and covers them one hundred percent for one hundred and eighty days. Um And then they research if there's still some skill needed or if it's a, a short-term thing where they just need medication management. They'll go once a week to fill up a pillbox. And uh, so it's really geared to whatever they really need. Um, and then we also work with uh, the home-based primary care, too. So, like, uh, if a home-based primary care nurse from the VA is going out, we'll stop nursing, but we'll continue therapy and we'll just supplement what they aren't able to, you know, cover in the area. If that makes sense?
2: So, Dale, I think this is why it's really important in some of our other programs that we talk about, if you're a veteran and you're going into the hospital, the um, emergency room, wherever, that you identify yourself that you are a veteran, that the hospital understands that you're a veteran so the discharge planners the social workers they yeah. can I, notify the VA right away within the period of time so that they could get it all approved and so that the that the veteran and their family are not paying for that bill so that the paperwork already starts to flow so that as Dustin just described when it's time for discharge the bill and the process are going to be taken care of by the VA and you've got um, uh, companies and payers like, you know, residential setting up the paperwork to go back to the VA to get the approval. So I think yeah, that's really important.
5: Yeah. And it's, it's really easy too. I'm, I'm a veteran myself. And so um, of course I had to go to the ER a couple months ago for something and you just say VA Optum, there's a number they call an after hours number, and it's all taken care of. It's really, it's, people don't know about it. So that's the key, really getting them informed and in what, what the options are.
1: All right. I think that that is obviously really important that whenever, whatever hospital you go to, uh, to make sure that, you know, you let them know that you are a veteran and you don't have to pay, <laughs> you don't have to pay them direct. Let the VA take care of it. And mm-hmm. that's, that will leave a lot of stress. I know for a lot of people. Um, so, it yes, Nate?
3: I was just going to say, Caroline, you, you bring her up a really good point to get that paper trail uh, rolling as quickly as possible. Um, when it's a discharge where the VA is not notified prior to the discharge, that's where we run into issues where care is delayed. So, certainly, um, the sooner the better.
2: Well, you know what? I I've gotten engaged. I can't tell you how many times when a family calls and they're like, in distraught because they've gotten these large bills, 20,000, 40,000. And if surgery has incurred um because of something that was an emergency or the ICU, and they've got these catastrophic bills, it's like, I'm a veteran. How come the VA is not picking it up? Well, did you identify yourself? So uh, I I can't Oversimplify and stress the importance. If you are a veteran, you really need to identify yourself—that you know at the VA—and to let individuals know so that that doesn't occur. Yep, absolutely.
1: Okay, so we've got that party. Make sure every everybody knows you're a veteran. Wear your hat or whatever it is that you need. <laughs> Make sure you have your card so you can show them your magic card. Um. So if when I am you know going back to this hypothetical situation that I might find myself in is that once I am getting ready to be discharged and my doctor says Dale is the the journey's almost over so first of all I'm, I'm going to go into the home health care what what benefits can I anticipate with that am I going to get 24-hour care is it going to be a nurse is it going to be any sort of therapy, what is going to be offered to me?
5: So uh, with home care, it's more of a, a short-term kind of focused approach um, to get patients or veterans back to their baseline that before they whatever happened happened. So um, say they had a, a heart attack or a stroke, we're really trying to determine what their previous baseline was. And through uh, nursing, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, a home health aid, and even social work, we we uh, work together in order to get that person back to whatever highest level of function that we think they can get to, based on the evaluations. And so um, there's a lot of lot of in between there. So each each discipline sets up their own goals and uh, monitors their own progress in the case conference weekly on, on each individual patient. And so it's really a, a really collaborative team approach. Um, but that's not the 24 hour part of it. That's, um, that's really private duty and not a lot of insurance cover that, but we do help. There are some, you know, programs in the community, even the VA, um, that do more long-term care, uh, for like the, uh, your activities of daily living, uh, things like that, you know, bathing, uh, trips to the doctor, things like that. There are services out there. Um, and that's the other thing with being identified as a veteran. Yeah, you get a lot more services that way too.
1: Okay, you just you mentioned an, an important point here is that the you know the 24-hour care is not provided um, by any 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 VA or an entity, is it? Um,
5: not that I not that I know of. I do know that they do have long-term care facilities that are with the VA. Um, sometimes they, um, I forget what they call uh, C is a community living center. Yes. CLC. Mm -hmm. So they have those, but they're, those are sometimes more short-term rehab too, but I do believe there are some long-term care facilities that people can actually go into like a, like a living space. So I don't think there's very many of those though. So uh, the biggest thing like, uh, for us is if the patient isn't going to return to some sort of independence, uh, or some baseline, we have to make sure that we have someone that's going to be there, like a caregiver, mm-hmm. say they have wound care, they have, um, lots of different things. Um, we have to make sure that someone is there that we can teach, or we're not really setting them up to, to, to regain their independence. We're just, um, we, that's really our goal. And then once, once that part of it, um, independence is like, well, maybe we need to refocus somewhere else. We bring in either our journey program, which is, uh, like a, like a middle ground that helps us decide what do we want to do? Do we want to keep going back to the hospital or do we want more palliation? And then and then we can get our palliative MP involved. And then from there, maybe even hospice. Um But it's that, like, like Nate was saying, that whole continuum. So we really just talk to everybody to make sure we're getting that patient exactly what he wants.
2: So, Dustin, um, help me please um, understand uh, in our audience. So, I've just come out of the hospital, as Dale described. Let's say um, I had a stroke. Um, That seems to be recently what I'm hearing. And um, you get involved and you come and evaluate me. And you've just... um, Talked about a lot of disciplines, the, the yeah. PT, the OT, um, nursing, um, a homemade. How many hours would you say and how many weeks might the insurance company approve me to come in? Two weeks, four weeks to get me back, um, to how I was functioning. What, what on average would I be looking at?
5: It doesn't, it doesn't really go by hours. Um, it goes by the each individual assessments. Okay. So, um, and they'll set up a plan of care and they'll, they'll, if it's therapy, they'll leave a home exercise plan so that the caregivers there can do the exercises. Um, so it's really, really, um, patient driven. Um, so it's not really like hours. Um, what was the first part of your question? I'm sorry.
2: Um, okay. So, well, um, with the different disciplines, uh, how long would you think oh. that you, we would be seeing these different disciplines coming into the home?
5: So, uh, with the VA Optum and VA authorization, uh, that first authorization is good for 180 days. Okay. Um, unlike, unlike where Medicare is usually 90 days. Right. And there has to be, has to be skill involved with the, With VA Optum and VA authorization, there doesn't really need to be skilled. They don't need to be homebound. That's one of the benefits of having the VA Optum. They don't have to have those Medicare requirements in a lot of cases, but the, the insurance works the same way as far as how they, Pay and, you know, uh, compensate and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the good thing about it is it's 180 days and we can continue as long as there's a, a need. It doesn't even have to be a skilled need. So that's a really good thing.
2: So, um, as we know with rehab, if they're not keeping up with FEM scores and if the, you know, if you come and, um, I decide today, I don't want to do my exercises and the physical therapist leaves a certain period of time. You know, they're going to say, sorry, but I'm not coming back. So with, with you, um, the 180 days, do you just keep coming or do you have to prove that the patient is making some improvement?
5: Um, not really with VA Optum because we can come, um, if they maybe they just want to do therapy once a week, right? So maybe we put them on like a maintenance program where say they have a, a chronic condition, a degenerative condition that We all know it's not going to get better, but we can maintain a level of function to where they're not regressing. Okay. So uh, we really try to focus. We don't want to make anybody, you know, we're not trying to be drill sergeants and uh, anything like that. So we're trying to make them do what they, things that they want to do and are capable of doing without being, because we're in their home, right? We're we're guests there. And so we want to, and that's how we try to present that as, you know, we're here to help you and this is, all your choice. We can leave, you know, sometimes they get a little combative because sometimes they think we're telling them what to do. And we're like, no, we're trying to help you so that you don't have to have us anymore. We, we want, we, if we're here too long, we're not doing our job. So we really are trying to focus on that level of function um, at the home health level. So.
2: So is it 180 days per calendar year or lifetime?
5: Oh no, um, we've had some veterans on for years, um, so we just keep getting the research authorizations. Now they do have to have some sort of to continue on with the home care for the VA. optimum, they do need to know what we're doing um, because they they try to transition. The VA will try to transition them to the home base home based primary care through the VA because that's uh, that's their team. So they have like nurse practitioners, they have physical therapists. They have nurses, but they don't go out too much farther from the hubs. So like Saginaw, they're really in Saginaw, you know, and then, or to the local CBOX, which is the community, community based outreach, sorry, community based uh, outpatient clinic. So, uh, they don't go too far outside of those. So they have limited staff. That's why they bring in other companies.
1: Okay. We're, we're talking with representatives here from the uh, residential home health care palliative and hospice and everything else that you need to know about what happens when you're discharged and um we want to encourage you if you do have a question to give us a call at 734-822-1600 734-822-1600 so once we've we've, we've gone through the home health care options that are available and it it sounds like there are there are so many things that, that could be a whole separate program sounds like uh, mm-hmm. as, far as, as far as what what is available to you and i I really like the comment about you know you're non-competitive. You're not there to you know to be drill sergeants for these people. You're trying to get them to to you know maintain. I guess would be the the the, the word I'm thinking about. It. You know getting getting them to be able to get up and move around again, getting them mm-hmm. you know able to use the facilities, those kinds of things. You're not if they do need 24-hour care. You do you handle that or do you refer that out?
5: Um, we can bring in a social worker. We can work with uh community mental health. We can work with the VA. There's lots of resources. Usually, um, like, as transition nurses, we know a little bit about that, but not anything like a social worker would know. Um, so we really defer to the social worker, and they come in and evaluate, you know, everything, finances, what they got going on, uh what they need. You know, there's, there's lots of resources out there. So we really defer to the social worker. Or if there's any kind of mental health issue, we go to community mental
1: health. Okay. Well, all right, all right. So, kind of come to the end of that portion of what what you folks can do for us. So now I'm 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 slowly slowing down. You know, more and more as as it goes along. How do where 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 is the point where hospice comes into play? And I'm going to move over to Nick on this one. So sure. If, yeah. Where do we go from here?
4: Yeah. So usually they're. You know, once you've kind of gotten to that point, uh, your doctors are getting involved, whether it's your VA docs or if you've got some community docs. Um, and they, the Medicare ruling says, and, I, and I'm going to, you know, you can't see me on the radio, but I'm putting this in air quotes, right? Um, you know, if the doctors agree that if your terminal condition, if the prognosis were to proceed the normal course, You'd have about six months to live, right? And I put normal in air quotes because everybody's different, right? Somebody with CHF, um, you know, they, uh, you know, we get to that normal stage and they would say, Hey, six months to live. Uh, we've seen some people pass, you know, pretty quickly, but we've seen other people go on for years a couple of years, we've had some people on hospice services. So, you know, I put that in air quotes because everybody's different. Everybody kind of progresses at different rates and stuff. So um, if we get the referral from the doc, uh, you know, to please eval and admit for hospice if appropriate, what we then do is we, uh, we collect all the paperwork from either the VA or from the community doc. Um, and then we, we get that into our office and we send a nurse out. To do a starter care or an evaluation to make sure that the patient is medically appropriate for hospice, right? And there's a lot of folks that are, they meet that, um, the medical, you know, uh, uh, terminal diagnosis, but they're not, they're not mentally there yet, meaning, um, they may be, they may totally qualify in that for that last six months, but they have to be, um, to the point where they're not seeking any more aggressive treatment, right? So for example, if you had cancer, Right. And it's stage four and it's metastasized. You're no longer seeking the, um, the chemo, the radiation or any more of that aggressive type treatment. You're, you're choosing to be, um, as comfortable as possible for as long as possible and get as much of the quality of life out of that. However long that is, whether it's a couple of weeks, six months or a couple of years, you're, you're getting as much of that out of that, that, um, that last stage of life as you possibly can. So we get, we get that paperwork in and, and, um, when somebody's deemed appropriate, there's, um, we have a, um, a nurse that will, uh, come out and see the patient. Now that everybody's plan of care is different too, right? So some people, um, some people need a nurse's visit once a week. Some people need nurse's visits two to three times a week. You know, everybody's got a different plan of care set up, but you get a nurse when you're on hospice. Um, you also get a home health aid. Um, and that's again, that's the plan of care for that is established between the nurse and the family. And, and, uh, we also have medical directors. We have our own MDs that are part of the team that oversee the plan of care as well. Um, uh, social worker, we got a medical social worker, uh, massage therapy, music therapy. We've got a volunteer services, which Leah heads up. We've got a whole bunch of different things that we can offer. We really bring, bring, um, a really highly specialized quality team together to really help not just that patient, right. But also the family members, because the family members, it's, you know, this is really taxing on the family members as well. And, and, and so we're, we're there, we're there for them too, right. Uh, a spiritual care advisor. We have chaplains, you know, that's the old term that we, that all of us mm-hmm. are used to, especially within the military, right. The chaplains, but we we call them spiritual care advisors now. So, it's a very highly specialized team that comes together, and to keep again I can't beat this drum enough uh, to keep that quality of life uh, for as long as possible and and uh, to keep them as comfortable as possible
2: so so Nick that was awesome um Dale, I wanted to just say you jumped from um i guess uh from discharge and working with Dustin um and then you, we jump to hospice but i i do believe there's another step in the meantime and that was palliative and uh before we we jump to um you know the hospice nick would you say and is that michelle or is that Leah? what yeah. Cause we got a couple other members, Dale, on, on, with residential that, uh, I think there's some other functions in there. Nick, who would, who would deal with the palliative and how would that fit in before we jump to hospice?
4: Well, there's, there's on the call today, there's not really, I mean, Nate and all of us kind of specialize in the hospice, right? Um, okay. or, I'm sorry, not the hospice, but the palliative care. Okay. Um, so really pretty much any of us on, on the, on the call can answer it, but um, you know, typically again, so um, let's say that there's, there may not even be a, a terminal condition that's um, uh, you know, it can be a, an acute condition. It can be a chronic condition, um, but it's something that's got some really uh, uh, unmanaged, a lot of unmanaged symptoms, maybe a lot of pain, yes. um, stuff like that. So what we have is we have nurse practitioners um, that can come out to the house and we're really trying to help manage those, uh, those symptoms, uh, yeah. to keep, again, to keep the patient as comfortable as possible, uh, in their homes for as long as possible. Um, the unique bridge with, um, the palliative care is that, um, uh, you may have a terminal condition, right? Let's go back to the cancer, right? Just as an easy one. You may have a terminal condition like cancer. Um, but you don't want to stop seeking that aggressive treatment yet. You still want to be going for the chemo and the radiation. You're still seeking that aggressive treatment. So you're not really appropriate for hospice yet, right? Um, but that's where our palliative care team can come in and really help with those symptoms that come up, uh, from whatever that acute or chronic condition is. Um, but you can still seek your, your aggressive treatment, um, with your, with your, whether it's with the VA, or with your other hospital organization that you're going
1: to.
2: And and I think the information that you've provided, and Dale, I think you brought it up in the very beginning, um, all the information that all of you are providing, it's great for a veteran, but it's great for any citizen, any individual out there to be listening and to call residential because it could help anybody going through any disease, any pain element, um, and so it could help your family. So please keep that in mind. And if you do have a question, even if you're not a veteran, please call in and ask um, the team a question.
1: I'm gonna. I, yes, and that number is seven three four eight two two sixteen hundred. Um, the residential's number uh, is that you. You know, I want you guys to give listeners to give them a call. If you want to get more information, uh, that's 866-902-5854. And they will then direct your call to wherever you need to go. Um, Michelle uh, Bedford is is one of the hospice specialists. And so I wanted to bring her on the line along with Leah Farber, who is uh, also at hospice and talking about volunteers. And I, I wanted to know a little bit more about how hospice really works. I mean, if I decide that, okay, I don't want to do any more medication. I don't want to do, I just want to go quietly and and peacefully. Then I, then I would contact you, right? Absolutely.
6: Um, We can help in a variety of different ways. Uh, We care for patients with a variety of different uh, terminal or end stage diagnoses uh, really uh, pulling together what Nick was talking about, pulling together a lot of information um, and, you know, trying to paint that picture as far as where that patient is with the disease trajectory and what's needed. Um, just like home care, our hospice plan of cares are, are very individualized to the patient. Um, so, If a patient wanted to stop all medications, like you were speaking about, Dale, absolutely, we could help support that and just really focus on comfort. Um, But a lot of time and education goes in with the patient and family talking about medications, uh, desired effects, to help them make that decision whether they wanted to continue on particular medications and or stop. Um, There are times when maybe they're seeking treatment outside of that terminal uh, diagnosis, Uh, maybe going on what Nick was saying, uh, just to keep things really simple uh, for a cancer patient, uh, maybe a lung cancer, but is also seeking dialysis, uh, we can help support that also. Um, so I always like to explain, um, the hospice plan of care is all different varying shades of gray because it is so individualized to meet that patient's need or desires.
1: Okay. I mean, it's everything. It's, it sounds like what residential does and it is that everything is individualized. It doesn't make it, you know, there's no first you do this, then you do this, and then you do that. Everything comes in. And if I have a question you can answer, I thought, one of the things that I feel is so important is your the idea of supporting the family and leah i'm going to ask you to jump on the line here since I know you work with volunteers as well is how do we get the you know the family has to be included in all these decision making process processes and so what is it that you would do to help the family out?
7: Well, what we try to do is we we really try to focus on the quality of life and the comfort care, not only for the patient, also for the caregivers. We are a part of a program called We Honor Veterans, which is, it originated through the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, and they work in collaboration with the Department of Veteran Affairs. And what we what we do as a partner to that program is that, first of all, we spend a lot of time educating our staff. We do a lot of educational presentations around PTSD in veterans. We have a whole series of courses we offer specifically on v- Vietnam veterans and we really, we really work hard at having our team, our clinical care team really feel confident in being able to work with people who, who are a part of a military culture. And so a lot of education is involved in that. In addition, we also try and do presentations and outreach to our veteran organizations. Um, you know, I don't think it comes as any surprise that, um, hospice isn't easy to talk about for most people. And yet there is so much available to be able to support the families and to be able to support people and offer them I had a brother-in-law who was bedbound and on hospice for two and a half years and we couldn't have done it without hospice. I mean, they were there for us. And so I think that when you're talking about the whole, whole system, you have to know that it's our social workers who will spend time. We also really spend a lot of time giving honor to our veterans we we want them to remain relevant it's important that they know that the service that they have offered our country will always be important and so we do pinning ceremonies we're doing 12 veteran day events at a variety of facilities. We really draw attention to honoring and recognizing and creating, creating a safe space where people can really begin interacting. We do some vet to vet cafes at our assisted living communities. And we find that when veterans are able to come together, that there is a sharing and a camaraderie that is, it's inclusive to the veteran community. And we want to be able to provide those opportunities where people can begin talking. We also find that as people near their end of life journey, that a lot of issues will come up that they haven't been able to talk about before.
1: I'm going, to ask yeah. you, I'm going to ask you to hold on here because we need to take a break real sure. fast here. So we're going to take our, our, our Medal of Honor break. And when we come back, we're going to ask everybody here to contribute to what, you know, what these questions are. Maybe we're trying to anticipate what your questions might be out there to our listeners. So you're listening to Veterans Radio, and we'll be back in about two minutes.
0: The Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one of them. Private First Class William Thomas lost both of his legs to an explosive charge thrown by Japanese soldiers in the Battle of the Philippines, but refused medical treatment. Details after this. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. Thomas was a member of the leading squad of Company B, which was attacking along a narrow, wooded ridge. The enemy, strongly entrenched in camouflaged emplacements on the hill, directed heavy fire and hurled explosive charges on the attacking riflemen. Thomas, an automatic rifleman, was struck by one of those charges which blew off both his legs below the knees. He refused medical aid and evacuation and continued to fire at the enemy until his weapon was put out of action by an enemy bullet. Still refusing aid, he threw his last two grenades. He destroyed three of the enemy after suffering the wounds from which he died later that day. The effective fire of Thomas prevented the repulse of his platoon and assured the capture of the hostile position. The Medal of Honor series is a production of Veterans Radio.
3: Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative. Maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. We can all help someone going through a difficult time. Learn how you can be there for veterans. Visit VeteransCrisisLine.net. VeteransCrisisLine.net. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs.
1: We're back here on Veterans Radio, and we're talking to the entire company, I think, of the residential health care group, uh, which is great opportunity for us to get this information out there about whether you need home health care, palliative care, hospice care, all the different things that are available to you, and the special kind of an upgraded system that the VA offers um, with extended care. Which I, I found really interesting. Um, I'm going to go back to Nate for just a second here to um, kind of figure out what we can do. So the question that I have is, can I do all of these at once, or am I kind of limited? Can I can I do home health care and hospice, or can I do home health care and palliative care? You know, what is what are my choices?
3: Well, uh, traditionally, it, it, it's kind of a one or the other scenario uh, where Medicare is not going to pay for uh, aggressive treatment and then also hospice. Um, there is a unique benefit that is offered through the VA called concurrent care. Um, and the purpose of concurrent care is so that a veteran does not have to make that choice between giving up on that aggressive chemo uh, treatment and go to hospice. Uh, it's a difficult decision for a lot of patients to have to make that choice. Uh, okay. But concurrent care allows for a veteran to receive actually both, and so that's kind of a unique uh, unique benefit that is offered to specifically veterans.
1: Okay,
2: I think the neat thing, Dale, that we're hearing today, it, with residential, is you've got experts before us that they've been talking, Dustin, Nate, Leah, Michelle, Nick, that they talk to one another. And if we get a patient, they get a patient. They talk. They understand the patient, the needs of that individual, whether a veteran or a lay, um, citizen that needs help. And they talk among themselves to try to find out what is the best plan between the social worker, the nurse, to try to help and see how they could help that individual? And I think that's really important. Um, Talking to the family, as Leah talked about, um, where does that individual need to be in their continuity of care to try to get them to the quality of life that they need to be? Um, And palliative, you know, I... I think as a nurse um and working with a couple patients just recently I don't think we know um and I enough about palliative because I've seen it work extremely well just recently Nick and I'm glad you're shaking your head you know whether it's coming in and making um, the patient feel really comfortable with pain as they were going through chemo and helping them, um, you know, try to resume their activities of daily living. And it brought a great quality of care to their life with, with palliative care. And it is not hospice yet. I think one of you said that and uh, what but the society doesn't know, the community doesn't know enough about palliative care.
1: I agree. I agree. Uh, but I guess the final question is, we've still got a little time to go, is what What are the legal ramifications or what are the legal requirements that the family should know about when you know, somebody needs to go uh, anywhere along those lines? Is this where we get into the uh, medical power of attorneys or the legal power of attorneys. Who would be best to address that? Do we think?
4: Nick? I, yeah, I, I think either Nate or Nate and I deal, I think probably with those quite a bit. Um, I was just, just it's ironic that you bring that up because I was just at lunch uh, here with a family member, uh, that's going through some stuff with these power of attorney issues and, and, and all that. Um, you know, the idea is, that you get your power of attorneys set up as early as possible. You know, a lot of people, you know, they kind of keep, you know, it's kind of like life insurance. Sometimes it's one of those things you kind of put off and you don't really want to talk about or whatnot or, or burial services or something like that. But, um, you're really doing your family a disservice. You need to get those, you know, if, if, if you're married and you got kids and you got a family, you need to get those in place as early as possible. And, and the idea behind the power of attorneys, is you typically there's there's two that you see that are talked about quite a bit there's the financial power of attorney and then there's the medical power of attorney right where um you know you're drawing up these papers while you're still in your right mind and before anything happens before you're incapacitated in any forms and you designate somebody it could be a family member it could be your spouse it could be a friend um you designate somebody to to make decisions for you when you can't make those decisions for yourself right um uh, before Alzheimer's before dementia before before a stroke before something that that puts you out to where you can't be um, you know to where you can't make the decision for yourself you make those wishes known you get the paperwork drawn up um, and you get them signed uh, and and that's something where Nate you know on, on the when somebody's on home care we have our social workers that can uh, can that can help you get those uh, that, that paperwork done. Uh, when you're on palliative care, we've got our journey reps that uh, they can help get those advanced care directives put into place. Um, and then even we've got the folks on hospice that uh, on the hospice team that can help get those drawn up. But you have your financial to make your financial decisions and then your medical power of attorney to help make those medical decisions for you when you can't make them for yourself.
1: I, I think that that's so important. You know, most of us, as you mentioned, you know, we procrastinate with those things. You know, oh, I'm never going to be sick. I'm never going to need this. I'm not going to need that. And then suddenly you do. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we, we encourage, you know, everybody out there, especially when you, you know, you know, if you have a family, obviously, but once you reach a certain age, uh it's not a bad idea because, you know, your kids don't know what's going on and maybe you want to make sure that, You know, that you, that nobody goes to extreme measures to keep you alive. You know, I don't want to become a, you know, a test tube sample somewhere. Um, so we want to make sure that our family knows these things. And I I think it's, it's great that, you know, that, that your, your company provides that through your services uh, all the way along the way. And that, you know, the the idea, and I don't think many people think about this, you know, the roles that this, that these uh, social workers pay play inside of, of our, our medical care, you know, there's there, th- that and the navigators and whatever the, the terminology is that, that people use for those that are helping. And it doesn't cost you anything for this. That's, no. that's the other thing, you know, you, you can get this advice for free. And yeah. hopefully at some point, if you do need to utilize these, their services, they're going to make sure that the, the vast majority of the services that they, that residential is going to provide for you are covered under either your, your private insurance or it's covered by the VA. And I think that that's something because most of us we don't know. You know, we say, "Oh, it's, this is covered." Well, and then you suddenly find out, "No, it's not."
3: Yeah, it's true. I mean, you don't you don't know what you don't know. Um... And that's one of the great things about our services, too, is it, it's either covered through, like we said, VA Pay, Uptum, uh, Medicare, and um, many other insurances that we accept. Um, so there's really not much, there's no out-of-pocket out of cost um, to receive that kind of advice in these kind of services.
1: I think that's really, really, really important. Uh, does anybody have anything else they want to say? I know we're coming up on about three or four minutes to go. Uh
3: what, If I could say one thing, just real quick, if you're listening, don't, wait to go get care. Um enroll with the VA, uh discover what benefits are, are available to you. Um, we often hear, especially with our hospice team with Nick and Michelle, um, people wait too long to understand what hospice actually is. So don't be afraid to have those kind of conversations.
1: Yeah I, th- I think that's, that that is really important. I think so many of us have the misconception of what hospice care is. You know, if I go, well, this is the end of the line. So this is where I'm just, somebody will just come in and take care of me.
4: Yeah. Just to piggyback off of what Nate said there, one of the things that we hear, that I hear at least most often is, I, I wish I would have started this sooner. Yes. I wish I would have started this sooner, you know. Um, and, and it's and it's a problem that we see that's ubiquitous, not just with the the patients and the family themselves, but even with uh, the providers. Even with the, the physicians, um, the hospitals, the sniffs and stuff, you know, there, there's, there's a, there, there seems to be a bit in this culture right now where we don't, um, uh, we just try to pretend if we don't talk about it, it'll never happen kind of thing. Uh, but it's, it's going to happen. Right. So let's, let's, yeah, let's go out on our own terms and with the best quality and, 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 uh, that we can with the best quality of life that we can.
1: I I I I agree with you Nick. I want to yes. anybody else have anything to to say? We got 3 minutes to go. So I'm supposed to wrap this up here.
6: I just yes, wanted you. to say if I could, you know, circling <laughs> back to hospice care, um you know, the goals in care, having those conversations really brings a lot of dignity uh to the decision, you know, to start hospice and really helping Family, the patient, friends, you know, his or her, you know, community come together and rally that support for what's needed. We work really hard, uh, again, with the individualized plan of care to provide exceptional care for pain and symptom management, wound care, uh, you know, artificial feeding, you know, really what those needs are for the patient. Um, so I think sometimes there's a misconception that when they, when people elect the hospice benefit that everything stops and, you know, the, the care becomes different. And it really doesn't. Uh, care becomes elevated. Um, there's a lot to offer a whole team there, um, hospice and palliative certified uh, doctors and clinicians.
1: Most beneficial, most informative. We've been talking for the last hour here with representatives of the residential health care group. Um, they provide everything everything when you're discharged they've got the information for you their phone number again is 866-902-5854 their website is residentialhealthcaregroup.com they participate with the we honor veterans program Um, they just seem to be doing everything that we can or that they can to help our veteran community and we're so grateful that there are organizations uh like residential health care out there. And it's just something that we all need to be aware of. We all need to be um take care of it. You know, and if you've got a friend or a family member that is coming up on these decision times, I suggest that you give these folks a call. So I want to thank all of you for being on the program today. Uh, we've had Nate Barnett, uh, we've had Nick Capolino, Dustin Dodge, um, hold on, I got to get here. Michelle Bedford and uh Leah Farber are all being on Veterans Radio today. We appreciate all that you do for the veteran community, and we're hoping to have you back on again.
2: Thank you so much, all of you. Thanks, Thank for you for having us. You. Thank no you. Air
1: Yay, <laughs> go Air Force. Yay, go Air Force. That's all. Speaking of the Air Force, I think I got about 30 seconds, Carolina. What's coming up? You got a meeting, right?
2: Yes um we launched the 181st chapter of the oh, Aaron Space bad. sorry we have
1: a meeting look at our website i'm sorry we got 5 all right. to go so until next week this is Dale Thromrey for all of us here at Veterans Radio you are dismissed
2: thank you